this week is um, 1.1.3 uh, program learning opportunity. You I'm have still... three appointments. Oh my god, Siri's just started talking to me <laughs> for no reason. I didn't say hey Siri. To you, Leah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just going to leave that in. I'm not in an editing mood tonight, everyone. I did. Oh god, I did say series. Yeah, but I didn't say hey series. Hello everyone, welcome back to the Early Education Show, we're here with episode 87. I'm Liam. And I'm Lisa. And just the two of us this week, Leanne's out doing her usual important things. We're, we're lucky we get her on at all, aren't we really, Lisa? Yeah, we ne- are. Neither of us have, any, have anything else on. She's clearly much more important than us. Exactly. Um, but we, you won't just be hearing from the two of us, we're going to be joined later on by Catherine Buckley, who's the, until very recently, the, the president of Alstonville uh, community preschool, and we're going to be talking to her about the community management model and her experiences as the as the president of that committee. We're really grateful for Catherine for joining us. Um, but before we go to that interview, we've got a couple of uh, little things coming up. Um, I just wanted to, uh, on the podcast, say a big thanks to the Mitchell Institute for hosting me uh, and a few other panelists in Melbourne last week at their Quality and Early Childhood. Uh, event yeah, panel. It was really, really great fun. They're, they're a fantastic It sounded like it was fabulous. Yeah, I mean, some people might have caught it on the live stream. I met a couple of people who, who listened to the show who were very lovely and nice, but um, it was a really great event and, you know, good on Mitchell for putting on uh, those kind of events. We, I think the, the early childhood policy space is much richer for, for Mitchell Institute being around. Fair enough. And I've got to, I've got to chase up. They, I think uh, they did mention that possibly there was live stream the event, but I think it may be the recording may go up at some point. So if it does, we'll include that in the link. It's not up as we record this. Um, just a reminder to everyone, we will be having our regular end of year. Uh, year in review Q&A episode probably about mid-December. We'll be recording it pretty soon, though, in the next couple of weeks. So if you've got a question you really want to ask us, um, head to the link in the show notes. Um, we've got a form where you can you can uh, ask us, you know, whatever your burning question about early childhood education is. But um, just head to the website and, and find the link there. Uh, and the Exploring the NQS uh, bonus Patreon-only series uh, continues. So if, you, uh, if you're one of our Patreon supporters, uh, firstly, thank you. But uh, secondly, that third episode will be in your feed uh, now um, this is a really great time to become a supporter of the show for as little as one dollar a month and you'll get these little bonus episodes where uh you you can hear me sort of break down each element of the nqs i don't know if listeners can hear the the rumbling thunder behind me tonight lisa did you get covered in dust in sydney today yes well, my lungs did more than me oh no yes oh well i hope everyone who's listening for sydney did okay we're just getting crazy thunder which you might hear during the background of tonight's recording. Um, but speaking of uh, tonight's recording, we might take a quick break and then we'll be back with Catherine Buckley from Austinville Preschool. So stay with us. All right, everyone, welcome back. And we're very, very excited to be joined by Catherine Buckley. Catherine, welcome to the Early Education Show. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Uh, it's a pleasure. Catherine, so tell us a bit about yourself. Oh, gosh. Um, well, uh, I've been president of Austinville Community Preschool for the last six years or so um, and have recently uh, recently resigned and determined it's time to move on. Uh, but I've had a wonderful time, uh, I guess, establishing and, uh, and building what is a fantastic local community preschool. And Catherine, can you just tell people who are out of New South Wales where Austinville is? Oh, okay. So Austinville, uh, when I travel, I say 
It's near Byron Bay because that's sort of where most people know. Um, so it's about two hours south of Brisbane uh, and is a, a very sort of small rural community on the coast, uh, but about half an hour from, from the beach sort of thing. So uh, if that gives you a little bit of context. <laughs> I think that's only all anyone cares about. How, how far is it from the beach? That's really the only information we need to know. Um, now, Catherine, before we um, get into some questions for you, Lisa, I might just turn to you. Um, we've talked a bit about community preschools on the show before, um, particularly because obviously you you and Leanne are from New South Wales and this is a model that's not specific to New South Wales, but I think probably is most established in New South Wales. Can For those who are out of that state, can you give us a bit of a, you know, a summary definition of what we're talking about when we talk about community preschools? Okay, so community preschools started in the Whitlam era, most of them, where there was a submission-based model for calls for communities that wanted to set up preschools or um, within their local area. So lots of communities set them up and they kind of became at that stage a bit of a tripartite thing between um, state government, local government, um, a, a group in the community that were passionate about wanting to start early education for their children with funding from the federal government. So we've got, it's the main form of preschool education in New South Wales. We've got around 700 community-based um, preschools. Some of them are both community-based and community-managed, like Catherine's, and by that I mean they are basically managed by the parents of the children in the service at the time. Others are community managed in that they're non-for-profit, etc., but they're not community-based. So those ones are run by, particularly in New South Wales, by KU Children's Services, but also by um, uh, Uniting Care and um, often councils, some councils, like Penrith Council and Fairfield Council manage a large number of them. Sorry, everyone, I've forgotten that also has a large number of preschools, but um, those two councils spring to mind. But there's what's kind of really unique about them is that there's almost every town in New South Wales has one, and um, whether it be you know managed by a KU or whether it be managed by parents. And they've all been going for, you know, 30 to 50 years. And the other important thing to know about them was that they had a funding freeze for 20 years. Cool. And they're reliant on funding from the New South Wales government. They don't, um, people that go to community-based preschools, um, families don't get access to um, uh, CCS. But um, they are part of the NQF, so they follow the same regulations, the same um, you know, law covers them as um, uh, covers long daycare services, etc. Uh, it's just that they they don't have a lot of money around because the New South Wales government doesn't fund as much as other states and territories do. I feel like you may have touched on that point once or twice before on the show. Um, funny there. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Um, thanks for that, Lisa. And Catherine, I just wanted to say I know Leanne was really sorry not to be able to hear, be here to um, be part of this because you and her have also worked together for a long time through the Alston, through the Saving um, Alstonville story. Yes. <laughs> well, yes, right from way back in the beginning. 
Well, well that, 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 I guess that seems like a good, uh, good segue to maybe sort of talk about that, uh, that story. So, Catherine, do you want to start by telling us maybe a little bit about Austinville and then about, um, obviously, Austinville uh, Community Preschool? Sure. Um, well, I guess uh, Austinville had had a preschool, had a community preschool, um, which had been in operation uh, for 40 years uh, and was run by the Baptist um, Church, a local church group. Uh, and so it had been running out out of their church and very established, uh, you know, full enrolment numbers year on year um, for a long period of time and was an established part of the community. Um, unfortunately, in the year that uh, I moved from Sydney to um, to Austinville, um, it, uh, it became apparent that the Baptist preschool um, didn't wish to run the um, didn't wish to run the service any longer. Unfortunately. Um, I think they just felt that there was too much bureaucratic red tape for them to deal with uh, and they were wanting to exit the service. Um, and so they had given quite a lot of notice at that point as to uh, their intention to, to to leave, a sort of a you know, two-year period of notice and had informed the, the department, which were um, Family and Community Services at the time. Um, oh, but God, was, that, this, was it that far yeah. back? <laughs> That's a long time ago, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> um, um, but it was also at the time where fax was transitioning to deck. Um, it, that was on the horizon, but no one had really figured out who was going to That's do what. The Department of um, Education and Communities, for those that um, don't know the New South Wales acronyms. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so I think that was part of the problem in that uh, the entire system was in a bit of a state of flux um, and no one really knew who was going to deal with what uh, or and there was no sort of transition um, process or even sort of a setup process in terms of you know what happens if a preschool closes uh, and there's a demand in the area for that service um, so when I guess when I my eldest uh, who's now going into year six um, <laughs> was starting preschool uh, that was when, uh, you know, a community group had sort of formed saying, well, hang on a minute, if it's going to close, we can't just have nothing. <laughs> um, and had started being a little bit proactive in trying to talk to family and community services, trying to talk to um, the Baptist Church and, and also um, local government to see what sort of options might be available. Um, and it, it became, you know, quite apparent very quickly that even if, if we were able to get a transitionary process in place that really the Baptist Church didn't want to rent out that facility any longer. They were wanting to utilise it themselves, which left us with uh, with no facility. Um, so the hunt then became on for trying to find somewhere else uh, that would meet regulations, that would, um, you know, have enough indoor space, outdoor space uh, and be, you know, central enough, was available five days a week during the day, <laughs> which very oh, quickly easy, the pool. Easy. <laughs> um, so I think we checked out something like 30 sites, um, you know, from run-down sort of scout halls to, uh, you know, churches to anything really that might be available um, and then started talking then with council about the potential of land as that was really emerging as the only sort of possibility. Um, so, you know, exploring different sites, having community opposition to some sites 
to eventually sort of settling on site and going through a, a very lengthy community consultation process to recategorize the land and um, which eventually sort of came to, to fruition and we, we had a site but no money and we actually weren't even an entity at that point. <laughs> Uh, but we had a very quickly diminishing timeline uh, for closure. Um, and I think it actually came to, uh, I think it was 2014 uh, and they were closing in December and I think in September we got an offer from a local business uh, who actually ran a maze and a, and a coffee business and they said, look, we're no longer wanting to operate would this work for you? Um, and so within three months, we managed to sort of throw $20,000 into making that place compliant, to getting it licensed, to setting ourselves up as as a, a preschool <laughs> uh, and opened in February of the next year. Um, we, we had to go through uh, Land and Environment Court to have that temporarily recategorised so that we could um, operate from there as a preschool because it was under the wrong zoning and there was, you know, a lot of <laughs> toing and froing with, with the local and state government um, with regard to that. But we had somewhere to be for two, for two years. We had a stay of execution. Um, but still no money because we just spent it on <laughs> a new temporary facility. Um, so I guess that that was sort of at least we had somewhere to be and, and that really sort of gave us some but inroads there. at that stage there. you not just had no money, you had no guarantee that you would even be able to be funded ever again. Have you forgotten well, that? Well, <laughs> well, no. No, we were just kind of wrong with it at that point. <laughs> um, we were lucky, we were lucky to, to be fully enrolled to the number that we could. Um, although I think it was under the old funding agreement. Um, and, yeah, our, our main aim really was to capitalise on the land that the council had given us at that point um, and the ball had started rolling. So, you know, we were heavily lobbying state, local and federal government for, for funds and grants. Um, we managed to secure a capital grant at that point uh, from... Adrian Pickley, uh, I think it was the first of the first of what seems to be like many now um, capital grants that were available, um, and got three hundred eighty thousand. I think, I think the you've business. actually you've actually compressed some of this in your mind because, to <laughs> me, one of the most um, you know fascinating or amazing or scary things about it is that the Department of Education had, even though there was a preschool in the area and they were getting funding in the same way all other preschools were getting funding, they couldn't just transfer that funding to a new body. There was nobody new had been funded as a preschool for 20 or 30 years and no. they just didn't feel like they could just go ahead and go, well, this is fair enough, there was a preschool, now there's another one, it's managed by a different um, uh, different body, but we'll just transfer the, the money over. So for quite some time no. it felt like even if you managed to get the premises or the temporary premises together, 
you wouldn't get any ongoing um, uh, operational support at all. No, there was definitely no certainty of that, um, and it, and there was there was absolutely no provision around the transition of funding, even though essentially, you know, we had a fully operational service who if we had a premises we could, you know, pretty much sort of just slide over, um, that they in the department's eyes, they really didn't see it that way. So we we had to go through becoming an approved provider, becoming a service provider, um, recruiting, advertising, recruiting, uh, you know, going through all of the processes as a as a new entity um, to to establish funding, and and that was very difficult in the outset because we obviously in their in their eyes had no previous history in terms of enrolments, so we had to come to some agreements around startup um, and and that side side of things. <clears throat> Um, Leanne slipped a question into our list of questions saying... <laughs> Can you just read this word for word, <laughs> Lisa? This is hilarious. It's worth... It, it, the question goes, it's worth asking her about her prenatal face-off with the then Minister for Education. <laughs> do you remember that one? I do remember that one. <laughs> <laughs> that, uh, yes, that was... Gosh... Um, that was probably that was before uh, we had established that we had temporary premises. Uh, we'd been to see him in Sydney at our own personal cost. This um, is Adrian for, Pickley, who was the New South Wales Education Minister at the time. Yes, um, yes. Yeah, so we'd been to visit him twice and explained, our, um, you know, our story and and what we were endeavouring to do. That we were in consultation with council to try and establish land but would, would obviously need funding um, but that our local community was going to be left without a preschool uh, and that we were you know we were looking for support what was the process when this happened um, and uh, we didn't get a great many answers in fact we, we got very little answers other than uh, you know we were, we're working with the local community to try and <laughs> find a solution um, but that wasn't coming quick enough obviously uh, and it, it sort of culminated then with him uh, visiting one of our local preschools about a week later after having told us by letter that he didn't have a solution um, and we, we were left with very little recourse other than to take action at that point we had a community of preschoolers who weren't going to have a preschool in the following year um, and we uh, lobbed up on the, the doorstep of our, our neighbouring preschool uh, with, you know, some, some uh, placards. And uh, <laughs> I, I, don't, I don't think at that point I, I don't think at that point I thought he would engage. I thought he would probably walk past having seen us just the week before. Walk past um, this hugely <laughs> pregnant woman. I wasn't. I was only three at 13 weeks at that point, so I was barely oh, early, early stages. Um, my memory yeah. was that you were more. And to his credit, he did stop uh, and we did have a fairly heated exchange. Um, and I guess, you know, my, my main point was that as the department that now managed these services, he really didn't have a solution to what was happening within our community and we we needed some pathway 
um, to to enable that to happen. Um, to which to which the department did come uh, some of the way uh, in terms of releasing the capital grants and then also you know, working with us in terms of funding arrangements when we did finally get licensed in the temporary premises. Um, but there really weren't any clear pathways. We really had to forge some of those ourselves. The thing that always struck me as the crazy part of it was that they just couldn't see why they needed to have pathways for, for that kind of a situation. And it was just, to me, it was such logic. It was like, there is a preschool there. This preschool has served a community for years and years. It's not going to cost you any more money if you just transfer the funding to a new group, you know. But to them it was way, way harder than that. Yes. And I think, I mean, that was probably my biggest concern was that there, there, was, no, there was no provision. And how, you know, I, we were an active community with quite a quite a loud voice. Um, but how many other communities are there that have been with that throughout New South Wales where the preschool has just folded and fizzled and those children are left without and we don't even know about them. <laughs> yeah, that's you know? Yep. Yes. That was, you know, that was a huge concern at the time is, you know, we're, uh, you know, we're a fairly established and vocal community with a good group who are, you know, really trying to make things happen here. You know, in smaller, uh, you know, less proactive communities, you know, th those opportunities for children are just being lost. For sure. Unfair. Mm. And tell us about um, once you'd been in your um, temporary premises for a while, what happened then? So I guess the race was on then. We had uh, a period of two years, um, and it was good then because we were we were more established. The ball started rolling. Um, so local government were able to work with us in in recategorising the land. Um, we also lobbied them uh, for once we had our. Um, plans drawn up in terms of architectural plans, civil plans, um, you know, hydraulics engineers and lots of things that I never thought I would ever know about, Lisa. Um, <laughs> <laughs> uh, once we had all of those plans drawn up, we were able to start um, lobbying local council for funds towards the site excavation um, side of things, the building of the road coming in, the levelling of the surface, the bringing in of power and uh, and water, um, and we then were applying for capital grants through the Department of Education for the buildings. So, as I said, we got 380000 towards the build from the department, which was the actual building, uh, and then we went to um, places like our local state politicians for uh, community builders grants, um, of which we won two rounds towards uh, the internal fit-out um, and uh, resources, uh, and then uh, we raised over 100000 over that period of time um, just through our community, through fundraising events, um, and that was, you know, obviously towards <laughs> everything else <laughs> that had to go in. Um, and I think it, it sort of came to the last little push towards the end where it was sort of November, December of, of the, you know, the final year uh, and we we hadn't enough 
for the the local the the playground the outside space we had our designs and we'd had you know consulted with various uh, people in terms of landscapers and the sand pit and so on but we we didn't actually have the funds to put towards the outdoors and that's uh, that's when we started going to sort of federal government and um, our other local senate members um, who then brought in clubs New South Wales for us um, who funded the last sort of 60,000 towards the outdoor the outdoor environment uh, so it was really pulling on anything and everything and everyone <laughs> that we could possibly find to find the dollars to complete but in the end it came in at just under a million dollars and it came in on time we opened February of the following year um, and, uh, it was a combination of a, a huge effort um, from you know a lot of people and a lot of volunteers and a lot of businesses we had business partnership programs and um, you know all, all sorts of things that were happening it was a, a mammoth community effort to, to get it off the ground it's always good when there's a happy ending in early childhood not 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 always the case <laughs> occasionally um so, Catherine, you know, uh, uh, we sort of heard that story about getting the, the community preschool to that point. You've obviously just re- incredibly recently just sort of stepped down as president of Alstonville. So I guess, you know, tell us about uh, where's Alstonville at now and, how, and is its future, you know, looking uh, secure and, and rosy? It is. It is. Look, I'm really, I'm really pleased, um, you know, with the position that it's, that it's in, um, you know, we've been in operation now. Uh, this is the end of our second year um, in the permanent premises, um, and you know, four years in total in terms of running it as a as a business from temporary and, and permanent. Um, so that was a quite a big shift as well. With the temporary premises was only a one room um preschool whereas the build was a two-room preschool so we've effectively doubled in size um doubled in staff um so uh you know that that was in itself was a challenge not really knowing what your cost base was going to be uh you know at a new premises (laughs) you're writing budgets for you know um things that you don't really know what they're going to cost but we're always very conservative in our our financial costings and um you know have have been able to put aside monies for you know longer term maintenance to look to pay our staff above award um to you know (laughs) to put in additional uh you know provisions for staff um, so that they're, you know, hopefully getting additional programming time and and that sort of thing to make sure that we're creating a quality service and that really was sort of the driver around what we were trying to to achieve is, um, you know, to to create a quality service that um, gives back to our community and and is able to offer them a service that they they want um, and. Uh, I feel like we're we're in a place where we've you know we've been able to do that. We're in a you know good financially stable position now. Um, everything is fairly new. We've been able to upgrade uh, you know some of our sustainable um, <clears throat> practices as well in terms of getting you know a solar grant last year, ten thousand dollars through the federal government. Um, you know we've got a recent drought grant that you know we're looking at you know our um our tanks and using tank water for for you know all of our toilets and that sort of thing so all of our sustainable practices as well are sort of coming through um you know 
putting in place programs that our community wants. So looking at, you know, unfunded threes when three-year-olds weren't funded at all, uh, you know, we still tried to maintain a level of that um, because we felt it was important to our community. It was something that they wanted. Um, <clears throat> bush kindy, you know, that's another another angle that we, we're trying to, you know, work with as well um, in terms of taking our kids slightly off-site uh, and doing some of, you know, the, the great work in nature that, um, you know, our educators are, are quite passionate about as well. So, yeah, I feel I feel All like... All that the, time spent looking for a building, you could have just thrown them in the bush and gone from there. Well, <laughs> could have done. <laughs> but, um, yeah, no, yeah. I, I do I do feel it's, it, it's a great place. Um and while it feels a little bit like I've lost an appendage at the moment <laughs> or a child, <laughs> keep looking around going, there's something missing. Um, <laughs> um, you know, I'm, I'm very proud of what we've built and, uh, you know, I do hope it continues to be a community preschool that offers, you know, the service that our community want because that is the intent that it was built with. <laughs> uh, look, I'm sure that it will be, Catherine, and, like, I think you've, underestimated in the retelling of the story your role as the as the president just how much energy and expertise you brought into it but also just how powerful the committee was that you managed to get government departments to give you money that you managed to get you know uh uh, you know, people to give you buildings that you managed to get build, uh, land rezoned. You know, that's none of those things were easy things. And your passion to ensure that your community had a community preschool was beyond and above anything I've seen for quite a while. It was a lot of it was fly by the seat of your pants, I have to say, but we had a very committed team of individuals who were genuinely interested and I think that is the the greatest thing about community preschools is that you do tend to attract, you know, to your committee, although it can sometimes be hard, um, you know, the people who do have a genuine interest and, and a passion for early childhood education, uh, you know, as a transition to school, um, and they are the people that, you know, will go the extra mile um, to, to make things happen. Mm -hmm. And um, tell us about the partnership between, a, like, a committee and um, your director and, and your educators. What does it look like at its best, Yeah, Like, when it goes really well, what do you think it encompasses? Look, I really, uh, I, I'm quite, um, I'm quite an honest and open and transparent kind of person um, and I think, uh, you know, things operate best when they look like a team um, and for me that's, you know, that, that's really how I would hope that, uh, you know, and, and envisage that you, you could operate a preschool is that, you know, I often said to our guys, you know, while it seems like, you know, you're operating in silos sort of thing, you're here in the day and we're quite often here at night. Um, <laughs> we're all yeah. working towards a common goal and you're all working to try and achieve the same thing, which is sort of, you know, a quality-based education, exceptional service and, and uh, you know, making sure that you're, you're all on the same page. And, 
Um, I think that requires really good communication. I think it requires, um, you know, regular meetings, um, knowing where each other's coming from, trying to, you know, get an understanding of the everyday difficulties that the educators are, are dealing with um, and trying to put in place, you know, things that can better that for them and for their families. Um, but also giving them an idea of the things that, as a committee, we're having to, to you know, look at and discuss and, and go through. Um, and the director very much is, you know, I guess the the in-between with that. They're having to share information both ways and try and make that as transparent as possible. Um, and, you know, that that's really the way that it can work well. Um, that's great, yeah. And I think um, it's... That that relationship, I think, is the really crucial part. That, you know, that that model can only, I think, really work when you know there is that open and transparent communication. But um, you know, Catherine, obviously, the the, the sector is quite diverse in terms of models at the at the moment. So we have um, you know, community yeah. committee based. We have around fifty percent of the, the the sector under the national quality framework is now for profit. So. You know, from your experience, mm. you know, as a parent as well as someone who's who's worked in that role of approved provider, you know, what do you see as the benefits of community management? Why do you think that's a really good model for for children and educators? Oh, look, I think it's great. At the end of the day, you know, you're you're, you're not there to make a profit. You're there to make sure that your service is profitable uh, and that it's able to, you know, be financially viable. Um, but Essentially, you're looking at what your community needs and how you can funnel, you know, and maximise the funding models that you're working with and funnel that any surpluses, you know, back into back into your preschool and making sure that you're able to fulfil on, you know, providing your educators with a good quality working environment, whether that be by paying above award or, you know, offering better work conditions, um, you know, additional personal leave, that type of thing, um, or whether you're able to, you know, provide lower fees for families, um, better resources, um, you know, and, and or, or, you know, looking at perhaps diversifying, you know, the, the strict sort of funding models that you're given by the department um, to maybe, you know, better cater for your community's needs and, uh, you know, not be as rigid as perhaps they need to be in terms of meeting targets. Um, but I think, you know, community preschools allow for a lot more of that. They allow, uh, you know, your your educators and your director and your committee to work together to, to try and really provide a great quality service that, uh, you know, is able to address all of those things. <clears throat> Wonderful. Thanks, Catherine. Yeah, no, I, th- I think um, it, it's interesting. I think it's a model that we're seeing less and less of, and I'm, I'm intrigued. I th- I, one of my questions might be, we sort of, we, we've talked a lot about, you know, the, the, the positives of, um, you know, the work you and that community have done. Um, but I know that that model is not without its challenges as well. You know, that you, you are your parents of the children at your service as well, which must be challenging sometimes. And you're not necessarily coming to it with, you know, an early childhood background and um, the, the laws and regulations are memorised. So, you know, what would you say were, you know, some of the challenges for you in taking on that role? What have you really learnt over that period of time about the sector and about working um, alongside educators? Not with to children? do it again, Leah. <laughs> That's what she's learned. Don't go there. <laughs> Although I have a suspicion um, that you're probably already on the PMC of your school, are you? Oh, I, well, I am, I am a member, but I can't actually go <laughs> to all the meetings at the moment. 
<laughs> I might lay a little bit of a low profile for a little while, but we'll see. We'll um, give her another month, look, shall we? <laughs> it, it's, it's definitely not without its challenges. Um, while, you know, having having a community-based model that's, you know, reliant on uh, a volunteer management committee um, does have its benefits and, you know, I, I think that also gives, you know, individuals an opportunity to work with local councils and politicians and schools, and local organisations to build relationships because they are out in that community. So it takes your service from being a standalone service to being embedded within your community. Finding those people who are willing to donate their time and their skills um, can can be a challenge. You know, we were really lucky to have a solid team throughout the build. Um, you know, with with people whose length of service were you know up there in, in com comparison to mine, um, which I think is really rare. Uh, you know, even now, you know, the treasurer of our preschool has been there for three years, um, and it's it's very difficult to maintain that longevity in such a transitionary environment. You know, most parents are coming in now, they're only there really for one year um, because the government doesn't fund two years of preschool, doesn't see it as important. Um, so, you know, those parents are only there for a very short period of time. Uh, they might have siblings come along. Will they be in succession? Probably not. You might hang on to them for three years if you're lucky. Um, but realistically, it's quite a high turnover. It's quite a transient, transient role um, in your management committee. Um, so attracting those people, having succession plans, to make sure that you've got a solid committee, that you're not constantly recruiting, that you're not constantly, you know, having that brain drain of, you know, people get up to speed within, you know, four months and get their head around how a service might operate and then they're off again. Um, that That is, I think, a constant challenge um, for community preschools. I think it's a heavy burden on directors, Um you know, that that's the reality of, of their role potentially is that they have that constant churn of trying to attract, trying to upskill, then losing people. And, um, you know, they, they uh, I guess, uh, you know, they're in a, uh, an environment where, you know, policy changes are frequent, political ideology changes, the funding model changes. Um, it's very difficult to get committee members up to speed and retain them. Um, and that, you know, that can lead to the director being the only constant a lot of times, I think, in, in preschools. It hasn't for us as yet, um, but I can see in a lot of rural communities that that would be the case. And I think it puts a lot of pressure on the director. Um, and I think it also puts potentially your management committee who are, who are essentially volunteers in quite a precarious position in terms of um, liability and, you know, their effectiveness, uh, you know, for a relatively short period of time too. So I think there are flaws. I think there are implications not only for the director and preschools but also for the department in the model. But in saying that, um, I think if you can succession plan well and uh, hold on to good volunteers, then... That's half the battle one. Yeah, for sure. 
So what uh, about, um, you know, what do you think that you got, um, that you personally got something out of it, out of what you've done? Look, oh, look, <laughs> um, yes, definitely. Uh, there are. What sort of things? Come on, there are so many things. There are so many things that I would never have even thought I would touch on in the in in the role. You know, I had no idea going into it that it was going to morph into what it did. Um, You know, from gosh, working with councils and getting an understanding of local council council processes and development act applications and construction certificates and writing, um, you know, (laughs) site excavation, earth-moving company contracts, Um, (laughs) working with the media, uh, you know, writing press releases, doing television interviews, um, designing and project managing a build. I mean, gosh, I'd never even built a shed. (laughs) I had no (laughs) idea what I was doing. Um, But by... Asking and generally, you know, if 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 you're honest in your approach and you're trying to achieve something good, people generally want to help, and that's what I found along the way. Um, so I feel I feel like I have learnt a lot about early childhood education. I mean, as a teacher, I had a, a you know I had a fairly good understanding. Um, you know, I've got a Bachelor of Special Education as well and throughout this I've been studying a graduate diploma in psychology as well, which I've just finished. So, um, you know, that was probably my passion. That was my... Overachiever not. (laughs) Well, it was my reason for doing it was because I believed that it was really important. It was really important to me that our kids in this community had something that was going to make the beginning of their school career great. Um, and and that, that was that's one of the things I think that we'd always see is that passion, you know, for what early education gives children is what encourages people to be part of a, a, a committee or part of a community that's fighting to retain a service. You've got to that's have that right. passion or it doesn't happen. But I think it is important to recognise what you say. We always say that community preschools don't just provide early education for children. They also are the glue in a community, especially in the small rural communities that they're often in, but that they also uh, empower women and because more often than not it is women who are on the committee and -hmm. often give women who've had a break in their working career, it helps reskill them. I'm like... Not everyone might learn how to, you know, build buildings bigger than sheds and how to, you know, um, do TV interviews and advocacy with ministers, etc. But even just, you know, the simple fundraising committees and being treasurer and being secretary, all of those are skills that people learn through being on a community management committee. Well, they do, yeah, and and you know, I guess all of the things, you know, your 
regulatory requirements, your, um, you know, national quality framework, uh, you, you, all your policies that underpin that, you know, your preschool, your, you know, your assessment and rating, you know, they're, they're all things that unless you are part of your community preschool, you don't know that all of that happens to, to underpin, you know, the the effectiveness of the education that your child's receiving. Um, so, you know, all of that I think is really, really important. Um, and as I said, you know, uh, you know, in a rural community where, you know, being part of your, you know, your transition programs to school, um, you know, getting to know your local government, getting to know your state, you know, parliamentarian, um, getting to know your local businesses who are happy, you know, more than happy to contribute in various ways. That is what makes community preschools, you know, really, really good because you are broadening the net you are bringing them in and taking yourself out and it becomes more of a you know an integrated community and that gives children a sense of identity and it gives uh you know your community an identity as well um and i think that can be really powerful well Catherine, i think that's a beautiful spot to end the uh the discussion on that that that's that's really wonderful maybe maybe just as we as we wrap up and thank you for being so so generous with your time given your uh now the ex-president so this is this is like some of your farewell <laughs> interview tour. I quite like this. Um, maybe can you, you know, as we as we sort of wrap up, can you not put you on the spot a little bit? You know, what would you say if you look back over your time at, with with Olsenville, What what was your what was your best moment? What was the moment you will look back on and go that I'm I'm glad I was a part of that. Oh gosh, I don't know whether there's any one. Um, I think for me, it's probably about the friendships that I've kind of gained along the way, um, the amazing people that have contributed, um, that sense of community, that sense of doing something right for the right reason, for the greater good. Um, and I see, I see that in lots of things. It was the opening. It was, you know, my child's face when she runs out to me at pick up, um, you know, the drawings that, that people do uh there's a myriad of, of beautiful moments that um that I can can see um when I'm there it's a special place and uh if you're ever this way please come and visit it's 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 a lovely environment and um it will be there for a long time to come <laughs> I'll take you up on that one for sure and I believe that you've also been rated as exceeding is that right well, yes, we we had to we had to do our assessment and rating twice. Once in the temporary premises, which was <laughs> oh gosh, wasn't very long after we opened, um, and we 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 got exceeding then. And then we had to redo it, obviously because we were in a new premises <laughs> when we opened in the in the permanent building as well, and received exceeding then as well. So, not bad going for uh, you know people who are new and constantly on the move. <laughs> <laughs> Sounds like it was very well earned. All right, well, Catherine, thank you very much for joining us on the Early Education Show. Yes, no, it was really like, wonderful to speak to you. Sorry, can I just say that obviously the exceeding, um, you know, in terms of assessment and rating, that is completely hats off to our staff, our amazing staff who, uh, you know, really are some of the best quality educators I've ever seen and they are phenomenal. Um, so it, that's definitely hats off to them. Uh, they do a great job. 
<laughs> Wonderful. Right. Thanks, Catherine. Thank you. Big thanks to Catherine for joining us. We really appreciate her time and uh, sharing her, you know, uh, remembrances and uh, of her, her time as, as president. It's been um, it was it was a great discussion to have. It sure was, and I just think we need to constantly thank anyone who puts Who's up their to hand talk to us? be on a management. Oh. Well, that too, but who puts up their hand to be on a management committee, let alone one that was in Austinville's position? Exactly. Um, so that's it for this week. We'll be back uh, for our probably our final regular episode of the year. Next year will be will be next week, um, but then we'll have our sort of end of year wrap up episode, which will come out sort of around mid December. Um, so do until... we get do we get Christmas holidays? Do we? We do, we do. We and we we normally are not back then until about February. So we get a few weeks <gasps> off. Do we get paid for it? No, of course not. Oh, no. Okay. We go through this every year. Lisa, you, you keep forgetting oh, to. I you keep, even hope. You, well, you keep forgetting to start EBA negotiations. So until that happens, it's not happening. But um, we had such a hard taskmaster as a boss. I know. So until next week uh, for our last regular episode, it's goodbye from me and from me. You have been listening to the Early Education Show, hosted by Lisa Bryant, Leanne Gibbs, and Leah McNicholas, and produced by Leah McNicholas. Find us online at earlyeducationshow.com. And while you're there, it would be great if you could hit the Support the Show tab, where you can become a patron of the show and support us for as little as $1 a month. We really appreciate it. Get in touch with us at earlyedushow at gmail.com or on Facebook and Twitter with the username earlyedushow. If you're enjoying the show, please leave us a rating and review on the Apple Podcast Store. This really helps other people find the show. See you next time.